Welcome to another edition of La Conversación with me, Francesca Fiorentini. You miss me, I know, I know. You can tweet me uh, and let me know that. Um, our first guest brings us kind of a different conversation than we have here on the show, and I love it. Uh, this guy has a bone to pick with the with a bill called AB5, which was that California bill that made it way more difficult for companies and corporations to hire independent contractors. It was specifically designed uh, to impact people like Uber and Lyft and companies like that, you know, who claim that they're in the gig economy, et cetera, right? But it turns out it might have more negative implications for people in other industries like the music industry. So my guest is a independent musician. He has written a book called How to Make It in the New Music Business. He is kind of a guru of independent music. Please welcome Ari Herstand. Yes. Ari, how are you? Great, thanks for having me, absolutely. No, no problem, thanks for being here. I love this conversation because I'm a stand-up comic, mm -hmm. so I'm also, we get paid less than you guys. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we'll figure that out, yeah, right? yeah. We'll, we'll compare the numbers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. But so you, you you um, were alarmed by this bill, yeah. and you pretty much you took action. You wrote a whole article about what you did, but mm -hmm. I just want to ask, how does it negatively impact musicians? Sure, so um, right, like you said at the top, this bill was in, uh, the intentions were to help out the little guys, to help out workers that were being misclassified uh, by big giant corporations, right. You know, give them benefits, like I understand the intentions behind it. What this actually does for the music industry is say, all right, so let's say I wanna hire a drummer to play with me at the bootleg theater, Tuesday night, I'm gonna 200 bucks, you know, mm -hmm. play as my backup musician. Normally, just give him a check, 1099 at the end of the year, no problem. Right. Now this says, I have to put that drummer on payroll, hire a payroll company, pay payroll taxes, get workers' comp insurance, unemployment insurance, and W2 this drummer for one gig. Same with the recording thing. So, and then at that same gig, I would be considered both an employee mm -hmm. of the venue, because they're writing me a check for playing, you know, a 45 minute set, and I'm also an employer of my other musicians. Right, because you're hiring then a friend or a- right, right, exactly, and I may contract 40, 50 musicians a year, I'll play different gigs, you know, do recording sessions, all that stuff. And we all like the way that, the, that it's been set up. You know, 1099, it works for us. Um, this doesn't work, the costs to just, uh, you have to incorporate yourself, then you have to hire payroll companies, these costs are insurmountable and they're actually, they're catastrophic to how our business works. And they actually, this bill, since it was implemented January 1st, mm -hmm. hundreds of musicians have already lost work. Mm -hmm. So whereas like the intentions, you know, the Assemblywoman Gonzalez who wrote this bill, um, she said that this is going to enable companies to reclassify, it was going to get workers uh, more benefits that they deserve. Right. All for that. Uh, the realities of what happened is that um, they're actually just letting go all of these workers and we're not being hired anymore. Um, and they're turning to, so for instance, there is this uh, production of West Side Story um, in LA County and they had a pit orchestra, mm. 12 musicians. Uh, because of this, they now said, I'm sorry, we have to let all the musicians go and now the actors are gonna sing to a recording for West Side Story. 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. You, how are you going to do that to West Side Story? That's awful. Leonard I mean, and, <laughs> rolling over. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, musicians aren't the only ones, right? Like, right. I was saying that I'm a comic, but also yeah. apparently the uh, American Society of Journalists and Authors, mm -hmm. National Press Photographers Association, they filed uh, a suit um, claiming that this is unconstitutional because they also um, are independent contractors, often or freelancers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it makes me wonder, like. Can freelancers, when are we going to actually move forward? Because I imagine even though the music industry, you know, things were sort of working for you under 1099s, mm -hmm. there are ways that you would seek to improve working conditions for folks like musicians. Yeah. And the ways I see that like comics getting paid 20 bucks or less for gigs, right. you know. And yes. So, um, and in fact, there are, there's this one union, yes. one musicians union, the American Federation of Musicians, yes. which was for the bill. Yes. And you talk about that in your, I believe in your Medium post. Tell me about that union. Why were they for it? And mm -hmm. why not just join that union? Is it? Right, you know. okay, so um, I'm glad you brought up the AFM, uh, the Musicians Union. Um, so the Musicians Union, it, they don't represent the vast majority of musicians in the states or in California. They mm. represent primarily orchestral musicians, right. musicians who play on film scores. If you play on a major label record, uh, those are union jobs. Uh, you play at a club, that's not a union gig. Uh, so I'm not in the musicians union. I'm all for unions, that's fine. When you're helping workers fight the big greedy corporations, yeah, unions, go union, fine. Music doesn't work for us. Like unions, um, so they are for it because all of their union work is already W-2'd. Right. So what I think is that the unions who are for this, they see this as an opportunity where they can get more membership because if we're all W-2'd, then we can join the union. None of us are W-2'd right now. Independent contractors can't actually unionize. That's illegal. That's in the states. You can't unionize if you're an independent contractor. But um, they, I'm thinking that it would help increase their membership. Now, I sat down. I actually met with the president of the AFM on Monday. Oh wow! We're working this out because, you know, I believe their heart is in the right place. They want to help musicians. We're all on the same team. We're all in the music industry together. Sure. And they, after all the noise that I kind of made with my article um, on my blog on Ari's take. Um, it was, you know, it kind of got them to look at the uh, the issue in a different way, and so they get it now. I think, I hope, and I'm waiting to hear back from them because um, Assemblywoman Gonzalez, who yes. authored this, she has already introduced a cleanup bill, okay, to basically give more industries exemptions under this law. So when this law was initially passed um, and signed into law last September, mm -hmm. there were like 35 industries that were are, that were exempted: lawyers, yes. accountants, um, hairdressers. Like, right. I was looking. Then stand-up yeah. comics are not exempt, no. but like uh, <laughs> right. repo workers, repo, repo <laughs> man, like yeah, very specific things but yeah. it, but it's interesting that actually a lot of artists aren't given exemption for this right and so that was the thing is like there were conversations had last August um, before this thing was signed uh, between the music industry and the AFM, the union. Mm -hmm. They were kind of negotiating this is like, hey, the music industry needs an exemption. The AFM's like, no, you don't. Mm. And I no, I wasn't a part of those conversations. No independent musician was a part of the conversation. Right. It was like the major label organizations and stuff like that. So we felt very left out of all of this. Right. And so now we're like, hey, this actually affected us. Like unions don't represent us. The major labels are not on labels. They don't represent us. And so now finally, they're inviting us to the table and we're actually getting our voices heard. Now, we sent out a petition. Our petition said that this bill doesn't help us. And we now have almost 200,000 
California music professionals that have signed our petition saying that AB5 does not work for us. That's great. So this petition enabled me to get a meeting with Senate Majority Leader Robert Hertzberg, with Assemblywoman Gonzalez, with the AFM. And because this petition is like, hey, like, yeah, I understand the union, you represent, you know, some people, it's not that many, but fine. We have 200,000 people on our side that are saying, this doesn't work for us. So it's frustrating when Assemblywoman Gonzalez told me in her office, she said, Send me language. I sent her language for an exemption language, and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. You need everybody to sign off on this language, including the unions." And I'm like, "But the unions don't represent us. The unions, right. the AFM represents t- such a tiny fraction of working musicians. We have 200,000 people that said like, we need we need help right now." Right, and that's such an interesting. I mean, it's a rock and a hard place for independent musicians yeah. like yourself because, yeah, ideally you'd like to be repped by a union, but then whatever venue that you're going to be working at once in yeah. every six months or whatever like yeah. them going through the entire process or signing on you know get you know signing a contract through that union that's yes. even another right. step so it's this yeah. again rock and hard place chicken or the egg like you want to i think that obviously musicians should be protected get yeah. paid fairly right yes but not to the detriment of finding work right and so i i, I totally agree in the sense yes we'd all love health insurance we'd all love uh protections you know that right. employees get however you know, what we also, another issue that most people haven't thought of is that if we're W 2 employees for every gig we play at every venue, the new Trump tax law says that we can't itemize our expenses. Oh, we can't yeah. write off yeah. our expenses. I had over $50,000 in expenses last year. My taxes would be insane if I couldn't write off my expenses. But as a W 2 employee, I couldn't write off my expenses. When I play a club, they're not gonna buy my guitar and hand me a guitar when I walk on stage. Like <laughs> I, that'd be awesome. Like, right. you know, if I could put in my request for what kind of guitar I want, it's like, sweet, can I get a strat tonight? 1968 would be awesome. <laughs> but no, they don't do that. I have to buy my own guitar. Jeez. So like this, it just wasn't really thought out. They didn't get that. And so that's what I'm also explaining to the AFM. Like, yeah, we're we all want better working conditions for musicians. Like we all want health insurance. Like Let's keep talking about this, but we gotta stop the bleeding. Question for you, should yeah. the bill have specified Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, whomever, like rather than sort of blanket independent contractors, should mm-hmm. they have gone specifically after companies and named them by name? I don't think you technically could name companies by by name. I think there's some statute or law or legal something or another that says you can't actually go after a, a company with a law. Okay. And so that's why they made a problem. But you know, I've talked to politicians like in their offices, Democrats who signed, who who voted for this bill. They're like, yeah, it's a crappy written bill. I mean, anything where you need 35 exemptions, like it just was not well written. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't well written. It wasn't thought out. So why did you keep pushing this through? It's just confusing that when they already brought up so many issues, so many people said, hey, this is really gonna mess us up. And like, well, we're just gonna do it anyways sure. and we'll figure it out. I mean, actually, Gonzalez told me in her office in December, she's like, we always knew we we're gonna have to figure out the music industry issue later. And I'm like, later, like this, <laughs> this is going into effect in three weeks. Like we're gonna be breaking the law in three weeks. Like when's later coming? And yeah. now we're two months into this thing and they still haven't figured it out. Last question, yeah. you've been told to break the law. You've been told, well, whatever, just ignore the law. It's okay, mm-hmm. no one's gonna come after you. What's yeah. your response to that? That's not a great way to run a business, just like hoping that no one's gonna come after you and you break the law every day. My accountant's not gonna break the law. When I wanna file my taxes at the end of the year, he's gonna be like, oh, no, 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 you can't do these 1099s. You have to put these people on payroll and then go back with this. So like, 
Even if I wanted to break the law, my accountant's not gonna do it. It's just not feasible, it's not a way to run a business. Right, and I think you talk about actually in your article that one of your members or someone you spoke with, mm -hmm. a musician actually was audited. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not unheard of. It happens, <laughs> people get audited and that's yeah. the thing. And, and it's like, you know, the EDD, uh, Employment Department, uh, they will go after people sometimes and just check things out. And like he was audited because he contracted 50 musicians. They're like, that's a lot of 1099s. I don't know if you can have that many. Let's check this out. It's like, yeah, that's how we do a lot our of business. Gigs. That's, yeah, a lot of gigs. <laughs> Every night. What we do. Ari Hurston, thank you so thank much you. for explaining this to us and tell us where we can find more of your work. Sure. Uh, my blog is aristake.com. Okay. That's where I write about all the issues. Um, my book, you can find wherever you get books. Um, how to make it in the new music business. Awesome, we will yeah. be following you. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, we're gonna take a break and come back with a whole new conversation. Welcome back to The Conversation, I'm Francesca Fiorentini. Our next guest is a white collar attorney, crime attorney, there you go, and an author who's got a new book that I'm super excited to read. It is called Unprecedented, A Simple Guide to the Crimes of the Trump Campaign and Presidency. I'm holding it up there, it's right there. Please welcome Sarah Zari, how are you? Good, thank you Francesca, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Thanks for being here, thanks for writing this book. Why yeah, did you uh, write this book? Is it because it, it's just too much to follow? Yeah, so you know, I wrote the book not because of right versus left, but because of right versus wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I'm an immigrant. You know, I came here for democracy and freedom, like many other people. And uh, as a lawyer, I um, firmly believe in the idea that no man is above the law. Um, until I saw, you know, this presidency um, began in 2017 with Trump. Um, it was like on on a daily basis, fundamental rights being eviscerated, human rights being obliterated, and um, the questions that I was being asked by people was no longer, you know, how do you represent someone that you actually know is guilty? How do you go to sleep at night? Right. It was more like, is the president going to jail? Is his son going to get indicted? And I thought, wait a second, there's something really wrong here, you know? And and yes, to your point, I wrote it to make it so understandable. You know, I wrote about the Mueller investigation and the Russia investigation. And as we see, all roads lead to Russia and it all comes back to Russia. We get Stone who's, you know, recently there was a sentencing recommendation for him. And now we have a second Department of Justice, especially for the President's felon friends. Yes. And so Stone is that critical piece that connected the President to the, to the Russian interference. And so this is still relevant. It is, it is a, a sore spot for the president and any chance he gets, he attacks the, the Mueller investigation. He calls it a hoax and witch hunt still, even though right. he says it exonerated Which him. is a clue so, that it absolutely still matters. Absolutely. And that what we're seeing right, now because is linked the, to that. The man does not want to accept the fact that he cheated on an election and everyone now knows about it. You know, so he tries to undermine this investigation and yet, you know, these court documents are murky, they're dense, they're daunting. And then the Mueller report, you know, most of my lawyer friends put it down after about 100 pages. I, I'm look, I skimmed. Yeah. I am not a lawyer, but I right. skimmed and I tried to make sense of it. I think a lot of it's still redacted to the public. Absolutely, the, the parts about Stone were redacted. Um, I think there was uh, some, some, Congress made some motions to get the unredacted, um, uh, you know, distributed publicly. But um, 
I just I felt that you know there needs to be a just a essential guide that anyone can read and understand because this was something that was unprecedented at the time I wrote it, but now we see with Ukraine that he was emboldened the day after Mueller testified, he picked up the phone to Zelensky. So, you know, it's no longer unprecedented. It's right. part of the same playbook, just a different act, you sure. know. I wanted to ask about the most recent set of crimes and you sort of talked about it in terms of Stone and the way that the Justice Department has now been wielded to benefit um, Trump's indicted and sentenced yeah. or awaiting sentenced allies. What's can you just walk us through what's going on right. and maybe your take as a lawyer? It's it's absolutely appalling to me. You know, it's like I can't walk into court the next time I'm in a in a federal district court with a sentencing and say, "Hey, I need the stone treatment." You know, <laughs> right. uh, because my client is not the president's friend. You know, so we have for the first time in our history, we have two departments of justice, one for the president's felon friends, one for the rest of us. And um, the idea that the attorney general intervenes on a sentencing recommendation by line prosecutors is absolutely appalling. It is unheard of, it has not happened. And so the argument by the other side is of course, well, you know, line prosecutors need supervision. Of course they have supervision. Mm. But that ladder that goes all the way up and ends at the AG is a very long one. Got it. So, you know, for for the attorney general to come in and say, wait, 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 hold on, no, give me this case and give me this case and you know, handpick the ones that he needs to reopen and look at is is really, you know, it's it's weaponizing the Department of Justice is all it is. And it it really undermines the department. It, I think these prosecutors that are, you know, career prosecutors there are having a very difficult time doing their job. Um, they're losing credibility because people like me will come in and say, well, I want the same treatment. Sure. I mean, know? I think that there's people who aren't lawyers and again, who are outside of it. And who also just sort of assume that sort of all corruption is kind of equal and oh yeah, what do you expect? This is very much outside and beyond the pale. Um, and Absolutely, and, and you know, so is like the pardon spree that the president went on last week. You know, with I wrote about pardons as well and his abuse of the pardon power. You know, it's no coincidence that he offered these clemencies on the eve of Stone's sentencing. Right. I mean, talk about timing. If that doesn't give us a hint as to what he's going to do for Stone, I don't know what will. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you could just pardon on your way out the door, which right. we hope there is a door in November. But <laughs> my another thing that I was, as I was sort of researching for this, I found, and this was like a couple weeks ago, but that actually Barr is renamed a federal prosecutor for Michael Flynn's case mm -hmm. to review. Mm -hmm. Michael Flynn right. has been awaiting sentencing. He's the right. former national security advisor. I guess he lied to the FBI. Mm -hmm. He's so what does that mean? You're gonna review? Well, he lied to the FBI and the judge was not happy with him. The judge actually held him to a higher standard because of his background and and said, you know, go do some more cooperation, come back and I'll revisit your sentence because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to give you some time, which is what happened the first time he went in for sentencing. Right. And so now, yeah, Barr has, um, uh, is micromanaging his case, has a special group of prosecutors, outside prosecutors reviewing that case. So, you know, this is not limited to Flynn and Stone. Um, it's, we're gonna see this happening with anyone that the president feels it is in his interest to help. Because this is not really about Stone and, and Flynn. This is 
is about, you know, the president is about the me, not the we. And so ultimately, <laughs> it's what's going to help him. And, and like we talked about it, you know, this, this Russia investigation and the interference by Russia has been a big issue for him. You know, yeah. he tried to blame it on Ukraine. I mean, he, he every chance he gets, Aside from his angry tweets, he will try to undermine this investigation. So, so you're saying he's acting kind of guilty uh, from you in your professional opinion? Yeah, of course, for what, sure. What about okay? So we know the president was impeached on this Ukraine stuff, right? It, asking a foreign government to interfere in a domestic election uh, by investigating Joe Biden. Fake investigating. Fake investigating <laughs> Joe Biden. Um, do you think he should have been impeached on more than that? Absolutely, I feel that he has not been held accountable on what I've discussed in the in the Russia investigation, um, and that's what challenged that idea of no man is above the law. Because you know Nancy Pelosi last fall when she announced the impeachment inquiry into the Ukraine scheme, Ukraine scheme, she said, you know that the Mueller stuff was just not understandable enough. Mm -hmm. For the American people, so so now what we move forward and we set a precedent that we can have a president who's corrupt, who obstructs justice, who obstructs Congress, and if it's too complicated, we're just going to let it go. Uh, you know, it, it's it's where right. politics really screws with the law. Yeah, you know, and um, and accountability. And so, yeah, I think number one, they could have actually had a separate article for bribery, which they didn't. They mm. just kind of snuck it under abuse of power, and they didn't address the stuff at all. I mean, they they alleged that he had obstructed justice, referring to Mueller, or the Russian investigation, but they really, uh, you know, the, the articles were about obstruction of Congress, not justice, and right. um, the fact that he wouldn't let witnesses and wouldn't, uh, you know, let witnesses testify, wouldn't. Um, uh, provide information and documents, and so right. yeah, I think the Democrats could have gone further. But I understand the the strategy, um, you know, trying to keep it clean and concise, and you know, less is more kind of idea. Mm -hmm. um, but God, there's no shortage with this president, there's no shortage right? Of it. Um, I mean, my big question is what happens if Trump gets four more years, and then what happens if he doesn't? Um, meaning. Do, is there any accountability for the crimes oh, yeah. that have been committed? So there's so many criminal investigations by the Southern District of New York, by the state of New York, against the Trump organization, against Trump himself, um, that if he walked out of the doors of the White House, mm -hmm. uh, he's indictable. Mm -hmm. You know, he could face, you know, right now as a president, he can't be indicted. But once he leaves office, he could be indicted, and there's no statute of limitations that applies because he was president for a certain period of time. Unlike some of the sexual assault charges he might be facing. Right, right. So there's a lot of stuff that he, and you know, like what I say is, is there's probably so much more that, that this man has done that we don't know about yet. And if he's gonna be president for four more years, trust and believe this scheme is going to continue. Um, this abuse of power is going to escalate. And, you know, uh, Look, there's been no precedent for this, but there's no prohibition against a second impeachment. A president can be impeached multiple times. I was gonna say, I mean, we just had the exercise. It's almost right. like we got that muscle worked out. We know how to do it. Except it's election year, it's not a good political move. Sure. But there is no prohibition against multiple impeachments. Right. So hey, if he's president for four more years, and if he moves forward in the manner that he has been, he opens himself up to other potential impeachable offenses. Right.
Um, and I mean, a lot of folks think that like the courts will save us, the courts will save us. How are you seeing that play out now? And especially with all of the federal judicial appointments, what are your thoughts on the future of the well, judicial system? Um, Justice Sotomayor the other day um, came out and said that she's seeing a pattern within the Supreme Court, which is that the justices that the president has um, appointed to the bench uh, are, you know, are ruling in his favor in the sense that they're getting um, uh, petitions, cases that need to be heard that involve the president, and they're just kind of putting it away, stashing it away, and 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 issuing a stay on on a ruling on those cases. So they're timing when they're going to hear those cases mm -hmm. because this is election year essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we know from the inside of the Supreme Court, which is the highest court of the land, that there's some funny business going on that his appointees are protecting him, yeah. you know? And that's what we predicted would happen. Yeah. And um same goes with all the district court judges that he's placed, you know, in in different courts and um who are extremely conservative, who I'm sure he selected um, very carefully um, because, again, he will he will choose what's good for him. Sure. And so, and Mitch McConnell, and Mitch with McConnell, his arms being guided by Mitch McConnell. Okay, unprecedented. Um, a simple guide, a very simple guide to the crimes of the Trump campaign and presidency, as if they were simple at all. But thank you so much, Sarah Thanks, Azari, for joining thank me, you. for writing this. Get that book, and thank you so much for joining us on the conversation. We will see you next time.